0: Zephaniah this week, back to Zephaniah. Uh, I think it's squeezed between the two H's, right, Haggai and Habakkuk, if I'm not mistaken. You'll find it eventually. Do we have another special prepared uh, today? We could, we're having communion this morning, so maybe uh, between the preaching and communion, that might be a good time. Forward. Yeah. We love music. We like preaching too, right? Amen. Thank the Lord for His work, for His, uh, for His love for us, for His Word. So we talked about uh, God's love last week, and uh, we're going to uh, uh, talk about the very specific way that He chose to manifest that to us. And uh, it's going to be a two-part message, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll certainly make some progress on it, uh, Lord willing, uh, today and, uh, and finish uh, with with uh, some even more specific application uh, to what we talked about today uh, next week, but uh, I didn't notice when it when it comes to when it comes to caring for people, you know the, the the devil the devil says he cares about people. That's kind of the lie he gave from the beginning. No 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 no. He says, right, well, I'm the one that really cares about you, and he puts on a great show initially about how much he cares about people, right? But it's, it's all propaganda. That's all it is. It's all just meant for manipulation. It's all a show. It's all a means to an end for his own you know, uh, uh, twisted uh, view of the world and, and how uh, it fits in with his agenda. That's all it is. And uh, you know, some people, they're kind of like the devil that way. Hate to say it, but uh, you know, they put on a great show. And, 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 they, and, they're, and they're big talkers about how they care about people and what they're going to do for people. But they never really do care. And they never really enter into the, two, you know, the true need for people uh, that people have. Uh, they just talk about it, and they just, uh, they just spin it in a way that's for their own devices. You know, God isn't like that. When it says that God is love, Not only is that true, but God doesn't just talk about it. (laughs) God showed us what it was to enter in to people's situations in a way that truly demonstrated and continues to demonstrate uh, that he loves them. And as we said last week, that's one of the most powerful forces that there is. One who would purposefully and intentionally, because they do have... Genuinely, a heart that cares to the degree where they will enter into a person's difficult, many times messy situation in order to help them resolve that, in order to help them at some practical, very basic level. You know, that, that's true love. That's true love. And last week we talked about the fact that, uh, as we talked about God's love, uh, in so doing we found that, that, that God's love is engaging. It's engaging. In other words, uh, as God demonstrates his love, it is a captivating thing. I mean, that's one of the things that's really, well, maybe it is the thing that has captured my heart. When it comes to my life and what I've chosen to do with my life is God's love. I mean, knowing that ultimately he's the one that is most truly for me. Of everybody that says so, and some can deliver more than others, and that's all great. But after it's all said and done, the one that I truly see ultimately cares for me in a way that nobody even could, really. And it's unfair to put that on anyone else fully. It's God. It's God. And that is an engaging thing. That is ultimately what draws so many hearts uh, to him um, when they see those truths. We saw this last week that not only is his heart, is his love engaging, but it is, it is enduring. His love is enduring. And sometimes, you know, people, it's kind of like a flash in the pan when it comes to caring for someone else, right? At first, it's kind of like a novelty. Oh, yeah, I really care about that person. I really love that person. And they may talk about it, and they may act like it for a while. But sometimes when that novelty wears off, you know, and, uh, well... It kind of comes to bear what that person's really like and uh, what they've really gotten themselves into and, you know, all the uh, the good, bad, and the ugly that, that comes along with it. Uh, it's, not, it's not as enduring as what they said it was going to be, right? <laughs> there wasn't quite the commitment that was advertised there. And, uh, well, I'm thankful, you know, that, well, you know, a great example of love in my life, secondary to Jesus, is, is my wife. I mean... There's very few things, if any, that my wife doesn't know about me at this point, you know. And, and yet uh, she's, she's a very uh, loving, uh, devoted wife. And, and, uh, and I know, you know, at the end of the day, uh, hey, look, we got, our, we got our times like any... I'm not going to talk too much about this, but uh, we got our times just like, like any other married couple, right? Uh, let's just be honest. I mean, there, there's things that they come along you have to work through. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I, I know she's for me. And one of the ways that I know that... And she's stuck with me through all of my quirks for almost 30 years now. First of August uh, will be 30 years. And uh, so there is an enduring love in the human realm to a certain degree. But God's love is enduring in an everlasting way. Just think about that. The God who has shown his tender heart and love for you and his care and his mercy and his grace is forever. It's forever. And when others let us down, you know, and we get back to that, man, what a wonderful truth. And it's the truth that we really need at times, isn't it? You know, a lot of people uh, end up getting hardened and bitter because they never come back to that truth, which will it will never leave them. It'll, it's, it's enduring. It's enduring. And then we saw last week that not only that, but it's, it's enabling. And, uh, and, and by, because of God's love, you know, we, we can be called we're given the wherewithal, the privilege, the position of being called the sons of God. Being part of the family of God. And I'm thankful for family. Uh, I just added another daughter to our family. And uh, uh, thank you for praying for us well, out in Colorado. Luke got married there. And uh, so I have, I have uh, three daughters now by way of, uh, of uh, marriage to my sons. And that's uh, a wonderful thing. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for family. And family is by God's design. God, God, what did I say, four, five, six, what did I say, three, I said three, I got at least three, I know that, I got four now, I always got helpers out there, which is a blessing, we're family, right, we're family, we're talking about family, we help each other in family, we talked about that in Sunday school, but it doesn't mean I like it, no, I'm just kidding, help me out, help me out, it's good. Um, sometimes my wife says, man, you put us in a passage and you read something and we have no idea where you are. But uh, uh, the, the, we'll, put, we'll, we'll put the truth out anyways. Uh, but it, it enables us and to be a part of God's family. and It's a wonderful thing to have family. It's a wonderful thing to be a part of, of, of a family. And God designed marriage. And God designed you know, the, uh, the fruits of marriage. And, and God designed all those things. But ultimately, it's a picture of the greatest family of all. And that's the family of God that we have because of his love, uh, because of, of, of that which he provided for us. And So there in Zephaniah 3.17, we saw that the Lord thy God in the midst of thee. That's an engaging thing, isn't it? In your life, in your situation, he knows who you are. He's paying attention to what's, to, to, to what's going on in your life. In the midst of thee, it says uh, he is mighty. And, uh, and so that's an enabling thing. You know, God is mighty in your life. He, he's going to give you what you need in order to live for Him. He's going to provide for what you need in this life. And, uh, and so um, he, is, he is enabling. And then it says He will save. What a great truth. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in His love. God is love. His love is enduring. He rests in his love. He's not moving from, uh, from that. He's not fickle in his love. You know, his love for you doesn't depend upon his, your, your performance, like it does with us sometimes. You know? I mean, you know sometimes you know, we, we'll give each other the cold shoulder a little bit if someone isn't you know, fulfilling our expectations or whatever. God's not like that. You know, God rests in his love. He is for us 100% of the time. And He has provided everything that we need um, by His grace for this life and forever. He will rest in that. That is who He is. He will joy over thee uh, with singing. i want to add to that, uh, though, this week, with this truth. God's love, having said those things, it's engaging, enduring, and enabling. God's love was also made evident. It was made evident. You say, well, haven't we talked about that a lot already? Well, there's a very specific and monumental way in which God manifested his love. And that's why I especially want to talk about that this morning. Let's pray. Lord, I pray as, uh, as we uh, talk about the good news and the gospel and your love and, and that wondrous, unspeakable plan that only you could have come up with. Lord, we're, we stand in awe of it, and we are the beneficiaries, Lord, and we're so grateful and uh, we're going to memorialize that uh, sacrifice uh, today, uh, Lord. But uh, help us now as you look at your word to just soak it up and to be encouraged by it. And I praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go back to uh, John 3.16. John 3.16. Let's open our Bibles to it. I know we know the verse, but let's look at it. John 3.16. And it uh, should be a little quicker to find probably than Zephaniah, right? Um, John John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's engaging there, isn't it? <laughs> he didn't just talk about it, but he gave. There are very, very few things that maybe that speak that you care about someone, that if you think of them and, and, uh, and give to them, right? Um, and he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so um, he enables us through his love. And, it, and, and not only does he enable us not to have to perish, to live for, for, forever, but it's enduring, to have everlasting life. So we see uh, there all of uh, those truths in that verse. But I want you to think about this, especially when, when, uh, when, when it comes to this verse, that he gave his only begotten son. In other words, in the context of God's love, You know the way that he chose to make that vivid and evident in a very visual fashion to us? By Jesus, who is God, coming and living amongst us as a human being. You ever thought about that in relation to this verse? I mean, what an incredible way for God to manifest his love to us to make his his love evident to us, to show us his love. For Jesus to actually come as God and live amongst humanity and for that to be recorded, his life to, to in a large sense, be recorded for us so we could see what that looked like. You see, it's, it's more than just that one point in time where, you know, he was hanging on a cross and died for our sins. You study the life of Jesus, and that was God giving His Son out of love. That was, that, was, that was God entering into our situation. You see what I'm saying? It wasn't like God said, okay, um, I'm going to save mankind, and so you know I'm just going to, as God, push a button here, and everything's going to be fixed. Instead, He saw this fallen, broken, needy world and his heart went out to that world because it was full of human beings that he wanted to have a relationship with. That's what he created them for. And he saw that they were in big trouble. And so within the midst of that mess, of that broken state, or that fallen state of mankind, he gave his son. Jesus came as a human being and entered into that situation. And through that, as Jesus interacted with that, you know, that, that, that mess that mankind was in, as he interacted with that whole scenario, we were able to see very vividly, very specifically what God's love looked like. He gave his only begotten son. He made it evident he was introduced into this world for contact and also for contrast. You think about the, 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 the contact of Jesus Christ on the world. There's nothing that has changed the world. I don't care what kind of technology. I don't care what kind of program. I don't care what, how marvelous of a government. I don't care what it is that man has come up with. There is nothing that has impacted the world like the presence of Jesus Christ in this world. The contact that he had uh, as as, as a loving uh, God, a human being (laughs) on this world. And not only that, but the contrast that we see. I mean, if you look at at the ones who talked that they were of God for the people at that time. The ones who talked a lot about it. You know, the the, the so-called religious leaders of that day. The ones that were supposed to represent the love of God. The ones that were supposed to, you know, show how we could love uh, the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And they were supposed to represent uh, that, that God of love to the people. They failed miserably. They were missing the spirit of God. They were missing the spirit of Christ. <laughs> and even more remarkably, and tragically really, when it came right down to it, is when they came in contact with God's love and the manifestation of His love? What did they do? They rejected it. They reje- it's like they couldn't handle it. It's like they couldn't handle the real thing. It didn't fit their agenda. It didn't, it didn't play into their power struggle, right? It didn't go along with their prideful stances. But what do you have? You have Jesus who is committed to come as God for God so what? loved the world that He gave His Son. Jesus, as a gift, was interjected into this mess and fallen state of a world. (laughs) And that's that's the watershed moment for mankind right there. That is the contact and the contrast that mankind needed. And, uh, And so he came in demonstration and manifestation of God's love. Let's go to 1 John. 1 John. If you go to 1 John, and uh, it's the beginning of the chapter there, it says, uh, 1 John, beginning of the book. In verse 1, 1 John, verse 1, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled all the word of life. And so the one that was from the beginning... God made it possible that he was seen by the eyes of mankind. They were able to be in contact with him. They were able to have exposure to that very word of life. Jesus Christ. And then it says in verse 2, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show it unto you, that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. The one who was with the Father... Was done what? By God's love He was manifested to us. You want to know what love looks like? The God of love came and dwelt amongst us. You want to know how powerful love is? The mighty God of love manifested that to us. Jesus came and He literally lived in the midst of humanity. You say, I mean, you know, uh, people, you know, tell me about God's law. Well, I've never seen that, and I don't think I don't think mankind has ever seen that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> All the other, you know, conjured up and 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 and, and human being made gods that are out there—they never did anything like this. And mankind has never done anything like this. Jesus came from the heart of God. As the manifestation, the living, breathing proof of Him and His love. You think about that for a minute. And you think about the fact that that's the reason why we're here today. That's the reason why we're here. Verse 3 That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Why do we preach? Because of Jesus. (laughs) That ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, the Anointed One, the Chosen One. The one as the Messiah that came and lived, the loving Deliverer of mankind. And uh, then it says that um, back in, in, in the book of John, I'll just read this verse to you. You know this verse, John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word was made, what? Flesh and dwelt, what? Among us. Full of grace, which is the operation of God's love. Full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. You see, Jesus, when he came, the gift of God from God's heart of love, he came and he came full of bountifully overflowing with grace and truth. That's who Jesus was. He became flesh and dwelt among us. Grace is the operation of God's love, and, uh, and Jesus was full of that. He came into the fallen, broken world, not to have a magic wand or to swing a punishing club, but rather to manifest the transformational love of God in the real human situation. So the Bible says in John chapter 3, let's go back there, John chapter 3. Let's keep reading from verse 16, which we know so well. Let's keep reading beyond that a little bit. John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Look at verse 17. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, what? Might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. This is what condemns mankind. Jesus doesn't condemn mankind. God loves us. God doesn't want us to be condemned. A loving God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, right? This is the condemnation, that light is come into the world. All right? Jesus, uh, um, um, he, was, he was light. It was like God was, was, was opening it up. He was shedding light on what he was. Through the manifestation, it became evident. The light has come into the world, and men, what? Loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You see, the big problem of mankind is, is when they come in contact with a loving God and a God of light many times they choose their sin instead. They choose darkness instead. They choose to believe the lie from the propaganda machine of the devil <laughs> that this is a better way to go than to look at God, his heart of love, and his, his very clear evidence of that that he sent in the person of Jesus Christ. And... Uh, such so a powerful truth. And so let's go to Luke 4.18. And I just want to finish with this verse, and this will introduce next week. Look at Jesus as he, inserted, uh, he is inserted into and interacts with the human situation. Luke 4.18. Luke 4.18. And Jesus says here in Luke 4.18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel uh, to the poor. So God the Father, for God so loved the world that he gave his Son, and while he was here, it was evident that what? That the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. There's the the Trinity right there. They're all working in cooperation, the three in one, to manifest God's love. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to what? To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Jesus is the manifestation of God's love and he came to help and to heal. That's what Jesus came for. He came to help and to heal. To help the needy. And there's great need in this world. Man, you know, people are, they're messed up. They've gotten into tragic situations. They've made terrible choices. Or, Life has just, it seems like maybe it has conspired against them. In the mess of this world, they're a needy person. They're they're caught up in a scenario which there seems to be no help for. But you know what? That's why Jesus came. That is the exact setting in which God introduced his Son. In the the midst of the fallen, broken state of this world, Jesus came to show what love was. How does he do that? Well, it says here in the verse, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To the needy people, he brings the saving truth. He brings the real help that mankind needs. And then it says to heal the brokenhearted. He's a healer. There's a lot of hurting people in this world. There's hurting people here today. And when it comes to hurting people, you know, hurting people, they either they either medicate, self-medicate with all the wrong things, and go into further hurt and into further tragedy. And it's just a cycle that continues from there. Or, or, they can avail themselves of Jesus, who was introduced to this world amidst the mess, who wants to heal? Who wants to heal? And look, you know, Christian, I mean, we should be the recipients of God's healing in our lives so that we can take that to others. If we don't allow Jesus to heal us, and that's just something that we have to, you know, to wallow in on and on and on in then how are we going to take that healing to others? And so Jesus came. He came to heal the brokenhearted. Did he heal people physically? Yeah, he did that at times as well. But what was he always trying to do? He was trying to get to their their spiritual condition. He was introduced into a spiritually broken uh, place. And in the midst of that, he manifested his love. What? Um, By helping the needy, by healing the brokenhearted, and then it says in the verses, as we continue there, to preach deliverance to the captives. And uh, there's so many that are captive today. You know, they're captive to the bondage of sin and to the addiction of, of this world. And as they've tried to help themselves in their, in their, in their miserable condition, they've gone to, to all of the wrong things. And they've become, they become captive by that which is controlling their mind and controlling their body, and it's just taking them further and further into bondage. You know what people really need when they're in that situation? I'm not trying to be trite here or to, you know, just to, to give a, a, a flippant answer. But they need the only one that can, that can set them free. They need Jesus who ca- comes to those broken situations and says, I can free you from that captivity. I can free you from that. And, and, then we, and that's why we, we have real answers for people through God's Word and through that Jesus. To heal the blind. Those who are not clearly seeing things. Those who are believing the lie. Those who it seems like, um, uh, you know, they, they, they've twisted wrong to right and right, right to wrong. And they're just, they're just blind to truth. And Jesus came to heal uh, that, that blindness. Uh, to give the light and the truth that is needed. And then to, uh, to help the wounded and, and damaged. It says, recovering of sight to the blind and set at liberty them who are bruised. And, uh, you know... People are bruised. Sometimes people are bruised by other Christians. <laughs> people are hurt. They're, they're bruised. And, 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 and maybe they feel like, you know, my life has just been beat up so much, I just don't think anybody could ever make anything out of this. And they just go into despondency and they feel like they're a lost cause. And they've been beat down. And uh, they've been they've been abused by mankind. And so Jesus, you know, he didn't he didn't just Come and just act like none of that was going on, and say I'm going to be a great leader here, and become a political leader, and uh, you know, be this great figurehead for the nation that the disciples kind of wanted him to be. And instead, you know what he did? He entered into real life situation of mankind as the gift of God's love to mankind, and that's where we see it. That's where it becomes evident. Now. This is, this, is the, this is the foundation. And uh, if, if the Lord allows, next week, we're going to get even more specific for what the Bible shows us as we see him interacting with people that are in these situations. We're going to look at illustration after illustration that fits the scenarios that are being spoken of here in the Bible. As Jesus interacts with specific people that we'll be able to relate to at one level or another. No, 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 You won't relate with every single one of them, but there will be one of them, at least, that you'll relate to. And you'll see there that God, through the power of his might, from a heart of love, how he interacts with people and how he helps them in a way that no other person ever could. And you say, well, what's, what's the implications of that? Well, the implications of that is that that's there for you. God loves you. Jesus came with you in mind as well. And we have the evidence in his word, and we also can experience the evidence in a relationship with Jesus Christ of understanding the changing power of God's love, who doesn't just talk about it, who doesn't just give us you know, some religious philosophies about it, but who enters into whatever specific situation is going on with the remedies that come from his heart of love. And there's nothing more relevant or transformational than that. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're going through, God knows, and he loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. He didn't just give his... His, his son to, to hang on the cross and to come out of the tomb. He gave to show, <laughs> to show to the world what love looks like, to show that. And uh, if you're looking for it, he'll continue to show you as well. So we're going to have a communion uh, here at this time.